welcome to episode number 97 of the Between the Cracks podcast. I am your host, Bill, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Chris. Now, Chris, I need to know how you're feeling, because we are inching ever so close to episode number 100. We are a mere three episodes away, so if all goes well, perhaps... Just perhaps now, episode 100 may come out on Halloween. Oh, wow, how perfect would that be? You promised to uh, give a tour of Apartment F, I believe. Danger! Yes, we will be going over to Apartment F, which is the haunted apartment across the street from my house. And we've talked about it quite a bit on the show. There have been a number of deaths down there, fires, unexplained happenings, and... um, Chris and I have made our ways down there quite a few times, and each and every time something very, very bizarre has happened. So uh, we're hoping to get the cameras rolling, or in this case our phone, and uh, get down there and be able to release the video to our Patreon page, uh, if I can figure out how to do that. But uh, there's a part of me who's very interested in going back down there, Chris, but uh, there's also a side that wants nothing to do with it. (laughs) <laughs> well, I should mention that I won't actually be going down there. You will. Uh, I will be uh, witnessing this from a camera that will be fixed to your head uh, back at uh, BCT headquarters. A fucking GoPro. <laughs> yeah, Chris, but we do have a lot of fun things coming up in the world OBTC. So what we wanted to do for our second annual Halloween Spooktacular was to get into a couple of creepy cases involving the paranormal or things of a spiritual nature. And I think we found a good one tonight, Chris, because we're not dealing with a true crime case tonight, Chris. Oh, no, no. Tonight, we're taking on the topic of reincarnation. So let me ask you, bud, before we get into it, do you believe in reincarnation in any way, shape, or form? Yeah, I don't know. I don't, that's, that's a tough question, but I want to say yes, you know, you you find you you find some similarities in people, and it's just like too real to ignore that. I think it does. You know, it does exist. As for me, Chris, and thank you for asking, I'm not sure I'm really a believer in reincarnation. And to be honest with you, I don't even know if I like the idea because if you could come back as anything, I mean, that, that's kind of a, a crapshoot, wouldn't you say? I mean, I don't want to come back as a roach or some shit. <laughs> fucking stepped on three seconds in <laughs> all fucking ugly and shit <laughs> yeah it, i i guess i don't know well reincarnation would never work like that bill <laughs> it's only something good right <laughs> <laughs> i think it's time we um fly right into tonight's case bud mm-hmm. That's i see little, what you did there yes this is a little hint about what we're going to be talking about bud tonight we're discussing the bizarre case of james Leininger. And to be honest with you, this is probably one of the most well-known reincarnation cases around. Because it seems that from the time James was two years old, he started having these nightmares and uh, recollections of experiences that he obviously never had. Being a two-year-old little boy, he was recalling events that had him in an airplane that crashed having been on a naval vessel. And furthermore, he also went on to name names of people that he said that he remembered being friends with uh, during his time in the military. 
Now, this is all very bizarre, but the fact that this is coming from the mouth of a two-year-old little kid makes it all the more creepy, <laughs> at least from my eyes, because if one of my kids starts spitting out knowledge like that, we're going to have a problem on our hands. But nonetheless, that's what got this whole story started. So we're going to dive into some of the claims James made as far as his recollections in uh, just a little bit. But, but as I always say here, I think it's time we go backwards to go forward. Chris, little James Leininger, what the hell you got for us? James Madison Leininger, love that name, uh, was born on April 10th, 1998 in San Francisco. He had a father named Bruce Leininger and his mother is Andrea. Shortly after the birth of James Madison Leininger, the family moves to Dallas, Texas, where they won't be for much longer before they head to their final home in Lafayette, Louisiana. And this is when little James starts to experience these past life memories. And as you mentioned earlier, that started at the age of two, roughly, uh, and it goes into the age of five. But this, this move to Lafayette is when they first start seeing James uh, have these experiences. Sometimes when you know you make these moves and it can be stressful for children, they start acting out in various ways. But at the age of, of two, or in this case, I think he was only 22 months old, uh, I mean, I, I don't think he would really be affected in any way, shape, or form by a move like that. So, I mean, I think we could throw that right out the window uh, as far as being one of the reasons that uh, old Jimmy here started having nightmares. It seems that James started having very realistic dreams that would wake him up in the middle of the night. He would start screaming, get very agitated. He would basically be frightened as well. And that would be accompanied by him crying and screaming. And I quote here, airplane crash, plane on fire, little man, can't, can't get out. But <laughs> Chris, please. Sounds like a personal problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, little Jimmy screaming, airplane crash, plane on fire, little man can't get out. So... You know, his mom goes in there and she's like, what the hell is this kid talking about? You know, probably just some bizarre dream. Maybe he was watching a cartoon or a TV show that something like this happened. Maybe it was just something as simple as that. And she was hoping that for all intents and purposes that this was just a one-time thing. But boy, oh boy, was she wrong. So these nightmares just persisted. James started to provide his parents with more and more details of what it was that was causing him so much stress. First instance, as we mentioned, he was stuck in an airplane or flying a plane that crashed. And then there was another recollection that he had that he was on a plane that had flown from a boat. And, and now this is the weird part, Chris. He actually had friends that passed away in battle. Like I said before, this has gone from, you know, a little child having nightmares to now being a little bit creepier because you have this small child talking about war, military aircrafts, deaths of various friends. So the parents have to be thinking, what the hell is going on here? Yeah, and as you mentioned, with, with all the instances with planes in his nightmares and, and eventually explaining to his parents, which he does go into much greater detail. When he was 22 months old, as we had mentioned right around the time these started happening, this was actually a time that his father, before I guess they moved to Lafayette, took him to a flight museum in Dallas. James was so obsessed with the, with these World War II planes that were there. 
so much so that they couldn't get him to leave. They basically had to pull him away and be like, all right, we have to, we, you know, we have to go because he was just so enamored with these planes. And now these dreams, you know, maybe this has, is the explanation for these dreams because he, he seems that to, to be, have an obsession with planes. He saw them when he was 22 months old at this flight museum. So perhaps this is what's causing the nightmares. Yeah, I mean, kids get obsessed with shit all the time. So maybe this was just James's obsession at that point in time. And having been so into the planes that he was viewing, that kind of just uh, segued into his dreams. And, you know, maybe things got a little out of control in uh, James's little mind. This is, as we said, a two-year-old little kid. Anywhere from 22 to 60 months is when these started occurring. <laughs> For those who like to... Uh, call their child's age by month up until they're about seven or eight years old. Chris, I just calculated it out. I'm 564 months old. Oh. And that's how you're going to refer to me now. <laughs> the fuck I am. But, <laughs> but he starts giving great details. And now, unless his parents in 19, uh, I want to say, actually, it's probably 2000 at this point, his parents are showing... The, their, their little two-year-old World War II footage, I highly doubt that this little guy has this sort of knowledge aside from his parents showing footage. So the fact that he's talking about Japanese uh, shooting down his plane, which is one of the things he mentions to his parents, this is starting to paint a picture of World War II. Now, back to the World War II planes that he saw in the museum, this could make some sense, but him putting two and two together on who the enemy was. I mean, he's too young for that. So things are starting to get a little strange. Yeah, indeed. And I mean, even if there happened to be like a, a documentary on TV at the, at the time, I mean, how much would James be able to recall or, or memorize? Right. And, and the explanations and names and stuff, which would only be able to be gathered from research. I mean, you're talking about a little kid. And there's actually funny because at one point he is with his mother and they're passing by a toy store. His mom decides to get him like a, some plastic toys and I think a boats. And one of them was a little propeller plane. And so she hands it to him. And remember, this is a two-year-old. She says, look, there's even a little bomb underneath it. And he says... That's not a bomb, mommy. That's a, and I quote here, dwop tank. Now, of, of course, when the little two-year-old was saying dwop is because he couldn't properly pronounce his R's yet, he was actually saying a drop tank, which drop tanks were below the planes that had extra fuel that was fitted to the aircraft to extend its range. Now, how, may I ask, would a two-year-old no, to correct their mother about a drop tank located on the <laughs> bottom of an airplane. We're finding ourselves in quite the predicament here, Chris, uh, because uh, as I said in the beginning of the show, I completely did not believe in reincarnation, but uh, little Jimmy here is starting to sway me in the other direction. As you said, he starts spewing information <laughs> about these old aircrafts that any two-year-old would have no right knowing about. But it didn't just end with that, because with this obsession with planes, his parents obviously went out and bought him some toy planes to play around with and do whatever with. So as you would assume, you know, little kids throw the planes, they fly them and whatnot, run around with them in their hand. But that's not what Jimmy did here, Chris. <laughs> what he did was constantly take the planes 
and crash them into different objects in the house. He began basically expressing to them that this is kind of something that he went through at some point in time. In addition to that, he took the planes and began breaking off the propellers. And as a parent, if I buy you a gift and I see you breaking it, that's the last one you're getting. All right, James, so keep yourself together. <laughs> and, and we should mention, too, that the when he was mentioning in, in his nightmares that little man can't get out, he said he was referring to himself. It, yes. You know, that was me that couldn't get out of the plane. He goes on to say, oh, well, the plane that I was in was shot down by the Japanese. And then weeks later, he starts to, to give them more information that he was flying a Corsair and that he was flying from a boat. And he said the name of the boat was Natoma, which sounds Japanese, but he insists that it was American. As time goes on, he's just giving more and more details. Now it's getting a bit creepy because he's naming people and he's saying, that a friend of his, a fellow pilot named Jack Larson, was shot down near Iwo Jima. Who knows the pronunciations? I mean, if this kid's correctly pronouncing these words and stuff at such a young age, then I'd be like, all right, what the fuck is going on here? Because this is creepy. I mean, you're talking about a kid that sounds like an adult. Yes, it's definitely starting to uh, take a turn for the worse, if you ask me, Chris. It's definitely, getting, <laughs> it's definitely starting to get a little eerie. Are we going to have to have an exorcism here? What's going on? Well, uh, to, to further prove that point... James began drawing pictures for his family, and uh, can you guess what was on the pictures, Chris? Uh, a duck, maybe, with <laughs> a rainbow <laughs> over it? No, 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 you were wrong there, pal. Come on. It wasn't a picture of uh, old James and mom and dad holding hands either. These were pictures of fiery plane crashes. And I saw a couple of the drawings, and it's kind of scribbled and shit, but you can make out what he was trying to uh, tell you via the drawing. You put this all together, and the parents are getting more and more concerned by the second here. And all this just culminated into James pretty much trying to reenact the life of a fighter pilot. His parents said that when he'd get into a car, he'd strap the seatbelt, he pretended he was putting on headgear, and then acted as if he was using a control panel in a plane while he was sitting in the back seat. Obviously, little kids do stuff like that, but if you have the knowledge of the way he's been acting prior to this... <laughs> this point you definitely got to start getting creeped out if you're the parents it went past the point of this is really weird is something wrong and, and it eventually be becomes intriguing enough for the parents to start doing a little research and looking into the names that he's giving them the names of aircraft carriers the names of the types of planes he, he mentions like i said before corsairs but he also mentions the wildcats japanese planes Zeke's and Betty's, and he's signing his name as James III. So that is a little confusing to the parents, and he says that because he's the third James, but what tie they could possibly have with that, they, they're really not sure what that means. But And if I'm the dad and my name's Bruce, I'm going to start having some questions. <laughs> questions for Mrs. Langer. Yes, who the hell is James II? At this point, Chris, the parents have had enough. They send James to go uh, talk to someone, trying to get him some help. Apparently, there's something called past life therapy, and that's exactly where they took James to. They took him to see a past life therapist who went by the name of Carol Bowman. Now, Carol instructed the parents to ask James questions and talk to him as if he really was a WW2 fighter pilot. 
So the idea here is to talk to him like you understand him, obviously that you love him, and you believe what he's saying to you. And uh, that's exactly what they did. So that seemed to help the situation for a little bit, but that wasn't enough for James's dad. All Bruce here had to go looking for answers, much like I would do myself, because he's like, none of this is making sense. How the hell can this two-year-old little child have all this information on World War II and <laughs> aircrafts, the Japanese, warships, you name it. This kid knew everything. So that's exactly what Bruce did. He's like, enough is enough, but now I got to launch my own investigation here and see what the hell's going on. Yeah, so he starts doing some research online initially. He, he knows that the Corsair was an American World War II plane, but he also then discovers that the USS Natoma Bay was an aircraft carrier that was in the Pacific in World War II. So now I'm sure he's getting goosebumps when he starts identifying these names of these things that his two-year-old boy was telling him. Uh, and it was part of an Iwo Jima operation and that there was a, pa a pilot by the name of Jack Larson that was based on the ship. Can you imagine reading these things that you got from your two-year-old son who was having nightmares about it? You know, because as you mentioned before, that Jack Larson was uh, the topic of some of James's dreams. And they were trying to figure out who the hell James was supposed to be in his past life. So they're thinking, maybe it is this Jack Larson. So they went through the records, and uh, lo and behold, they find out that Jack Larson did indeed exist and get this, Chris, he was a Natoma Bay veteran. So the shit that James was saying as a two-year-old was starting to be proven via his dad's research. The name that he gave Jack Larson was actually a veteran of the same time frame and area that James had mentioned. And now uh, things go from crazy to crazier. Because as they attempt to go find more information on Jack Larson, Chris, they realize that he's still alive. So they go see him. And they start sharing some of the stories. And Jack's like, holy shit. You know, you know, this is crazy, man. I haven't thought about any of this stuff in years. And the stuff that your two-year-old son is saying is very accurate. And then at that point, they obviously take their focus away from James being Jack Larson, because he's still alive, to possibility of him being uh, a gentleman by the name of James McReady Huston Jr. of Pennsylvania. Wait a minute. His name was James. The, the little boy's name was James, and he was writing James 3. Like James the third, maybe? Oh. Is it a connection to the James number? Oh, indeed, Chris. What an astute observation this is all coming together quite nicely i must say so myself and uh get this we find out that james huston was killed in action and not only that he was killed in iwo jima at the age of 21 now what i'm about to tell you is going to blow your mind the plane that james huston was flying was shot down that's how he died in the same manner that little James was acting out in his initial nightmare. Remember, he was saying, Airplane crash, plane on fire. Little man can't get out. Now, call me crazy, but that sounds fairly similar to the way in which Mr. James Huston died all those years earlier. Indeed, it does. And 
I think they even mentioned the parents. I mean, granted that this kid apparently was having nightmares as, as many as five a week at times, but they said that that he had a nightmare on the anniversary of Huston's death. He made some statements about a couple of memories of a period between incarnations. If you can believe this, he apparently remembers choosing Bruce and Andrea as his parents. <laughs> now I'm getting a little freaked out. And then his, his parents asked him why he had named his G.I. Joe dolls Billy, Walter, and Leon. And the boy answers, because that's who met me when I got to heaven. They learned that three of Huston's squadron mates who were killed prior to his own death had been Billy Peeler, Walter Devlin, and Leon Connor. This is blowing my mind a little bit. I'm not going to lie. Is this real? <laughs> Chris, as you can imagine, at the time, and this had to be, like you said, around uh, the year 2000, or definitely the early 2000s, this story garnered worldwide attention. And people were like, what is going on here? Your initial thoughts were going to be, oh, this is bullshit. But then once you get to the details of the story, and then you start having confirmation from former colleagues and friends, including James Huston's sister, Chris, they actually went there and she, they had the little James meet James Huston's sister, who at that point was an elderly woman, and she could not believe the things that he was telling her. She said that little James shared memories with her that there was no possible way that he could have known any of this. And she was actually in hysterics. She fully believed that this little child was actually her brother, James Huston, reincarnated. I mean, you put all these factors together, and obviously you know this story is going to blow up. And all of a sudden, the Leningers are the topic of news channels. They're on the front page of newspapers. Shit's going crazy because everyone is now like, what the hell is going on here? And believe it or not, they were starting to turn some people into believers. But notice how I said, some. Chris, was there anybody out there that was critical of little James and his tales. Oh, there was. And of course there's going to be. I mean, this sounds outrageous. Let's get into this. So, so there was a blog post, apparently, from a site called Skeptico. And they said that James' experience to the Kavanaugh Flight Museum, which is the one we are talking about in Dallas, that at that time, they did have a Corsair displayed. So that's why he was mentioning Corsairs. They go into further details saying that the fantasy that he was having had been nurtured by their bleeding questions from his parents. As well as that these gifts of toys and stuff and James' drawings and signings, because three was the age that he was at the time, they're saying, basically, which is why he was writing James three. I mean, and there's some credibility in, in that thought process, and that James was only saying Natoma, not the full name. That's pretty close. Right, and he was. They were, they were saying that the name Jack Larson could have just been prompted. The article here also says that the case was invalidated because the fact that James Huston was shot down while flying an FM2 Wildcat rather than a Corsair. I mean, come on, now we're just nitpicking. <laughs> I mean, there was mention, apparently, anyway, back on recollections from James. He does mention Wildcats and Corsairs, but 
this person is clearly trying to debunk or thinks anyway that this is as a bit of a hoax. And let's remember that James is two years old. Give the kid a break. Uh, but we could just be getting accounts of the parents, you know what I'm saying? Like I said, you'd have to really be in the presence of the kids to really get that feeling of whether or not it was authentic. Yeah, and uh, you know, the problem you have there is uh, upon subsequent interviews later on down the road, uh, James says that he has no recollection of uh, the memories or the nightmares that he was sharing with his parents at the age of two. So, I mean, that throws a little bit of a wrench in the system because if you are indeed reincarnated, wouldn't those memories kind of exist throughout the lifetime of the person that you came back as? I mean, if you believe in reincarnations, who would be able to explain how they work? I doubt there's some formula. There's reason to believe that it's fake. That's my first thought of this. We come to find out that James's parents, Bruce and Andrea, they wrote a book, Chris, entitled Soul Survivor, the reincarnation of a World War II fighter pilot. And get this, it ended up being a New York Times bestseller. Interesting. So, uh, let's put all this together. Because I always find it interesting once a book is released and there's profit to be made, uh, that kind of always puts a little twist into uh, the tale. So let's look at all that, bud. Judging by what we spoke of tonight, what says you? Do you think that James Huston was indeed reincarnated as James Leininger? This is tough because most of me wants to say no, but there was definitely some statements and, and some documented things that kind of prove, unless this is just a very bright young boy who's able to, you know, remember names and, and kind of feed along with things. And I, I mean, and I would hope for the sake of not only the child, but whoever the Liningers have been speaking to, that they're not pulling the wool over anyone's eyes. But I'm leaning towards, yeah, I'm leaning towards the truth. Excuse me? <laughs> I was just not expecting that, Chris. So you're telling us all here tonight that you do believe in reincarnation. I, I guess I do. Hmm. I guess I do. What says ye? Uh, God, I'm, I'm still in shock here. Uh, you know, like I said, I think anytime a, uh, there's a book involved, I, I start thinking that maybe there's the possibility that this was an elaborate scam and, and or hoax uh, as kind of a build up to that book being released all those years later. And perhaps they were hoping to get a movie out of it, whatnot. I don't know. But uh, that's always my first thought when I see you know, that there has been a book released in regards to a spectacular story of this nature. But for me, I don't know why it's taking me so long to spit out my answer, but uh, for me... <laughs> I'm going to be reincarnated by the time. <laughs> For me, I, I think it's the testimony of James Houston's sister, who, remember we talked about, she said that little James Leininger was talking to her and she said that there's no possible way he could have known some of these events that he was talking about with her. There's just no possible way, unless it was her brother reincarnated. And remember, they spoke to Jack Larson. He said that all the claims that little James was making, he said that the kid was absolutely spot on that. Everything he was saying was pretty much accurate. 
I mean, when we started the show, I was 100% that this is all bullshit. But as I sit here right now, Chris, I'm 50-50. I can't say that I fully believe it. 50-50? Yes. I, because that's I, not an answer. I, I, oh, God, you're right. That's, that's the pussy way out. Oh, God, I'm going to... Yeah, fuck it. I believe James. I, I think that James was indeed reincarnated. Wow. It's just something that's so difficult to wrap your mind around. I mean, especially if you're not a very spiritual person, I guess. I get a little touchy on the on mediums. <laughs> Excuse me? <laughs> oh, don't take my words. Uh, who, who are you getting touchy with, Chris? Literal. <laughs> um, medium. So, like, I don't know. Like, I kind of believe because some people have some pretty crazy experiences with mediums. And, and they get these crazy accounts... And things that these mediums explain about their lives or family members that have passed on. And I kind of believe that. Even though I don't see ghosts, I've never seen one. The, the feeling is there that it might exist, but th- that somebody could be there. It's very interesting because, you know, when you get that feeling like your back is turned, but you feel like somebody's watching you or there's some kind of presence in the room with you. I think that's kind of similar to maybe there being some paranormal aspect to this entire universe. Uh, unless our minds are all just playing fucking tricks with us, who knows? But you know, with that said, <laughs> with ghosts and the paranormal, uh, like we always say, we may not believe in it, but we're not going to test it out. <laughs> no, indeed, Chris. Uh, I'm I'm going to say it. I I do actually believe this case. Believe it or not, I I actually believe it. Wild. Very rare that we both believe in it. Yes, indeed. But nonetheless, here we are. But bud, that's it. That is the extraordinary case of James Leininger. Chris, we should give credit where credit is due because we did really only use one source tonight. Chris, why don't you lay it on us? It was an article uh, actually written on a UK website called Psy Encyclopedia, and the author was K.M. Worstein. Great article there and tons of information. So uh, with all that said, let's give the rundown and we can get the hell out of here for the night. You want to get in touch with us, you can reach us at btcpod2020 at gmail.com. Or if you'd like to get in touch with us on social media, you can do so by finding us on Instagram or Facebook, Between the Cracks Podcast. We will get back to you ASAP. If you would like to become one of our lovely patrons, feel free to do so by clicking on the link in the show notes. So, Chris, without any further ado, why don't you say we wish to find fine people out in podcast land the fondest. Oh, a farewell. <laughs> Woo! An hour and a half, but a lot of it. I think it was pretty smooth.